Greetings from the Classic City. I am Jamie Cheek, and this is 2020. Thank you for joining me on the podcast this week. No podcast last week. A couple of reasons for that. One, there really wasn't a whole lot to talk about. Uh, The rumor had been, uh, not so much rumor as the reports had been, that each candidate was going to hit the road and get out on the campaign trail uh, following Labor Day. Uh, like an idiot, I thought that meant, you know, right after Labor Day, uh, when in actuality it means that sometime after Labor Day, they were going to hit the campaign trail. Um, so nothing really happened leading up to Labor Day weekend or, you know, right after Labor Day weekend. There was uh, most of the polling kind of shut down around that time as well. So I just didn't feel like there was a whole lot to talk about, and I did not want to put out a podcast uh, that wasted anybody's time. But the good news is, because we didn't have a podcast last week, we do have a very interesting podcast today with a lot of updated polling data. And so the first part and, and, and the majority of the podcast today is going to center around uh, updated polling data and updated numbers that we're getting. Remember, we're using 270win.com. Uh, the the other thing we're going to talk about today in the added value report is breaking down some of the trends as far as how different ethnicities are voting. There's been a lot of talk amongst Republicans and Democrats, obviously not talking about the same things, but kind of the same subject uh, about Hispanic, African-American and white voters and what the polling data that we're seeing right now uh, suggests and how it compares to the 2016 election. So that'll be coming up later in today's show. But we're going to start with kind of talking about a lot of numbers. So remember, as I've already said once, we are using 270to2win.com as our website of reference. If you need to check anything I say, go there. You'll be able to find all the raw data for yourself. Um, They categorize in their projection, uh, in their map projection on their homepage, they categorize states in four ways. Safe, likely, liens, and toss-ups. And so the number that we're going to start giving you at the beginning of each and every podcast is kind of a context uh, piece moving forward as we have about actually about six or seven weeks now uh, until Election Day 2020. Uh, We're going to give you the safe and likely number. So that's giving you the top two, uh, the top two boxes, essentially. Um, So. For Biden, his safe and likely number is 212 electoral votes. For Trump, it's 125, which leaves in the toss-up and lean category 201 electoral votes. So as we get into that, what we're going to do for the majority of today's podcast is jump into the numbers, the polling data that we have for all of those 201 electoral votes, the states that those votes are represented by. So uh, remember when I say the average, uh, that is the state-by-state average given by 270towin.com, and they take the last 10 polls uh, for that given state, and they create an average from that. Now, it's important for you to know, listening to this, that the last 10 model, while it is a good model because it gets you a lot of data instead of just having you know, a, a smaller sample size, when you're talking about polling means that there's a greater chance uh, for discrepancy. So having 10 different polls in their average is good in that it gives us a very broad view of the race and not 
uh, and it doesn't overvalue any one polling company whose metrics may not be uh, as sound as some of the others. The problem with uh, the 10 model is that some of these polls have 10 uh, polls that have been taken maybe since the end of August or since the beginning of August. Uh, some of these to get 10 go all the way back to the beginning of this year uh, in March when it was uh, obvious that Joe Biden was going to become the Democratic nominee uh, after Super Tuesday. So some of these polls are, when I say outdated, it's, it's not that the data itself wasn't an opinion at some point, but it may be that, you know, one state has 10 polls that stretch for eight weeks. Another one might have 10 polls that stretch nearly six months. So uh, that is just kind of a disclosure at the beginning. Again, if you want to go look for yourself at all of the information that I'm giving you here, 270towin.com is where you will find it. So as I said, there are toss-up and lean states that account for 201 electoral votes. I'm going to go and start with uh, the states that are the biggest electorally and obviously population-wise. So we're going to start with our first state we're going to talk about today is Texas. So in Texas, and I mentioned on our last podcast two weeks ago, Texas is an imperative for Donald Trump if he is going to be reelected. Right now, the average has Donald Trump leading 48-45. And there's been a shift in Texas over the last couple of months. Uh, there was a UT Tyler poll. So UT being University of Texas uh, at Tyler poll from July that had Biden actually leading 46-41, but the most recent and updated version of that same Tyler poll uh, taken on September 6th has Trump leading 48-46. To me, the thing that jumped out is it's interesting that Biden number at 46. Um, So the poll he was leading, he had 46, Trump had 41. The poll that he is losing, he has 46, Trump has 48. To me, that says 46 is kind of where Uh, Joe Biden is right now in Texas, which obviously would be good news for the Trump campaign. Texas has been a red state over the past 25 or so years since George Bush won the governor's race. George W. Bush, excuse me, won the governor's race there in 1994. Um, Trump won Texas 52-43 in 2006. So uh, seemingly Biden's doing a little bit better at 46 percent than Hillary Clinton did in 2016 with 43%, but it doesn't seem likely, in the way that this is trending right now, it doesn't seem likely that Texas is going to be a flip, at least in this presidential cycle, which basically means there's a reason to continue doing this podcast for the next couple of months. If Texas were to go to Biden, the race is over, period, exclamation point, there's nothing else to talk about. So we move on to Texas, from Texas to another state that I think you can pretty comfortably put in that column of states that there is no way Donald Trump wins if he doesn't carry this state, and that is Florida, and it's 29 electoral votes. Joe Biden leads right now as as far as the state or the the average is 49-47, but none of the last 10 polls have either candidate getting more than 50%. So Florida has been a swing state in presidential elections, uh, but they've had Republican governors since 1998, that's when Jeb Bush took office. Tre- uh, Trump won in 2016, 49-48. So the reason it's been a swing state, and it's been very close for the majority of that time, is that Obama carried Florida twice, uh, 51-48 in 2008, 50-49 in 
in 2012. So going back three election cycles, you have Trump, Obama, Obama, and then before that, George Bush won Florida in 2004 with the largest margin that any candidate has had over the past two decades. He won 52-47, and then, of course, he won in 2000 uh, very famously with all of the controversy, the hanging chads, and all of the other drama that went along with that, uh, that pretty much not pretty much. It absolutely decided the 2000 election and made George Bush the president uh, over Al Gore. So while Texas is trending in the right direction for Trump, Florida seems a bigger issue. And at this point, uh, it, it is not a foregone conclusion, as I think Texas probably is, that Florida will go to Trump. So obviously, as, I, as I've read off the statistics for the past five elections, you had Bush in 2000, Bush in 2004, Obama 2008, Obama 2012, and Trump in 2016. It's very obvious that every single winner of the uh, Electoral College and of the presidency has won Florida. So that may be, when we come around to election night, that may be one to keep your eye on. Uh, as I've already said, Florida to me is key at this point for any Donald Trump win. So, uh, Again, kind of wrapping up Florida, 49-47 is the average right now, but it is very close. And Trump won 49-48 in 2016. So it's not like he blew Hillary out in 2016. Uh, so Florida, as it has been almost for two decades now, uh, is going to be not only a swing state, but a very, very close swing state. The next uh, state we're going to talk about today is Pennsylvania. 20 electoral votes up for a bid there. Uh, and Biden leads 49-44. A Rasmussen poll on uh, the 3rd of September had it 46-46. An NBC News poll taken just six days later on the 9th of September had it 53-44 in favor of Joe Biden. None of the 10 uh, previous polls in Pennsylvania has President Trump over 46%, which is very important. It's kind of uh, the same thing I alluded to when talking about Texas. It seems like that 45, 46% mark is kind of the high water mark in, uh, in, in most polls for Trump right now. So some of the polls, his margins are smaller. Some of the polls, the margins are a little bit larger. But he doesn't seem to be able to get over that 46% threshold at this point. Trump carried Pennsylvania. Uh, it was integral to his victory over Hillary in 2016. But by the narrowest of margins, 49, 48 uh, and it was the first time that a presidential candidate had carried Pennsylvania since 2000. So in 2000, George Bush wins it. Uh, and you might not remember, but Tom Ridge was the governor of Pennsylvania at that time. Uh, Republican governor of Pennsylvania would go on to be the first secretary of Homeland Security uh, once that department was established by George Bush following 9-11. Um, and he was, Tom Ridge, that is, uh, was very integral in making sure that uh, that Pennsylvania went red for Bush in 2000. So uh, Pennsylvania, to me, is one of the states in the same way that it feels like Texas is going towards Donald Trump. To me, Pennsylvania is going towards Joe Biden. Biden also has a lot of ties in Pennsylvania. Uh, I believe he was born in Pennsylvania. Not He, he doesn't represent Pennsylvania, but uh, he, he's obviously a former senator from Delaware, but uh, he has a, a very strong hold over Pennsylvania. And I think it's very logical. And I think even most Republican strategists and then most optimistic optimistic uh, 
supporters of the president would tell you that Pennsylvania is probably a lost cause for the Republicans at this point. We move on to Ohio, and there's 16 electoral votes. Um, so the average of the last 10 polls there has it absolutely 100% tied, 47-47. Even though the average is tied, none of the most recent polls have the race close. So let me give you a couple examples there. So a morning consultant poll from nine, uh, from September 1st has Trump leading 50-45, while a Rasmussen poll from September 8th, so just one week later, has Biden leading 49-45. Uh, Trump won Ohio 52-44 in 2016. It was obviously 52-44. That was about as comfortable it was going to get in a swing state for uh, Donald Trump in 2016. Obama carried Ohio uh, in both of his elections with 52% in 2008 and 51% in 2012. Uh, if you've ever heard anybody talk about presidential elections and talk about the state of Ohio, you know that no Republican has ever won the White House without winning Ohio. So um, to me, this is one of the more interesting ones on the list. You know, we're kind of going through trying to give you, I know I'm throwing a lot of numbers at you and kind of a lot of historical data at the same time. But to me, Ohio is one of those that we're really going to have to watch. Because I said, uh, even though the average of the last 10 is tied, there aren't a lot of polls that show it even within three or four points. So it seems to be all over the place right now in Ohio. And those 16 electoral votes are going to be extremely important as we'll continue to talk about as we move forward today. We're going to get to uh, our next state on the list, one near and dear to my heart, the Peach State, Georgia. 16 electoral votes uh, up for grabs here in Georgia. And Trump is leading right now 47-46 in, in the average. Now, let's slow down a little bit because I imagine most of the people that listen to this podcast are from Georgia, so we'll kind of dig in a little deeper maybe here than we have in other places or we will. Um, land, the landmark poll that I talked about on the podcast two weeks ago showed that Trump had a significant lead in Georgia, 48-41, but that poll was from September 1st. A more research, uh, recent poll from Heart Research uh, done on September 10th has Biden actually leading 47-46. So the interesting thing, I mean, obviously, anytime you get two different polls saying that the opposite candidate is winning, that raises eyebrows. To me, what raises eyebrows for this uh, is that the landmark poll had Biden at 41. This one has Biden at 47. That is statistically significant in the fact that that is not a margin of, an er margin of error issue there. So I am really interested over the next week or two to see if Rasmussen, uh, I'm sorry, if Heart Research who gave us the poll that had Biden leading or Landmark produce another poll to see if any of those numbers, you know, if there was an outlier there. Uh, we talked about with polling, there can be different things that happen that kind of skew results. And that's why we try not to dig too deep into one single poll, but try to take multiple polls together to try to cast a wide net and get a, you know, kind of a big picture view of uh, each state. So, it's interesting to me that you have two polls taken nine days apart that have a six-point discrepancy for Joe Biden. Um, the fact that the discrepancy for Trump is 48 to 46, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. But that's a pretty wide gap for the Biden numbers in those two. So uh, no Democrat has won a statewide election in Georgia since 1998. Now, I've been giving you presidential race history, but let's slow down here and make, make sure I'm clear on this. 
not just pre presidential races. I'm talking about governor. I'm talking about senators. Uh, I did not dig in as far as lieutenant governor uh, or secretary of state or any of that, even though I'm pretty sure those numbers do hold true. But statewide elections for president, governor, senators. No Democrat has won any of those elections since 1998, and that's when Roy Barnes uh, took over as governor from Zell Miller, who had served two terms. Um, Roy Barnes would be defeated for re-election in 2002 by Sonny Perdue. Um, Georgia has been a target for the Democrats for the last few election cycles, uh, but it has yet to flip in a presidential or gubernatorial or senatorial uh, campaign. So uh, for Trump, um, it's going to be important to carry Georgia. It's not as you know, just 16 uh, compared to the 29 electoral votes in Florida or the um, the 38 electoral votes for Texas. So it's obviously not as important for Trump to carry Georgia, but just because of what it would mean and because of the 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 shift that it would show in the political landscape, not just in the state of Georgia, but just in the country. If Trump were to lose Georgia, I think that means he's going to not only lose the race, but I think it means he's probably going to get whipped pretty bad. Um, Trump's 51% that he got um, in 2016 was the lowest for a GOP presidential candidate um, since 1992. And in 92, Bill Clinton, the Democrat from Arkansas, carried. Georgia. So that was the last time that Georgia went uh, for the Democrats in a presidential race was in 1992. Trump, 51% in Georgia. So it was pretty close. Um, and given everything that's going on uh, in the state, I would imagine it's going to continue to be pretty close. Again, Trump leading right now in the average, uh, but there are some discrepancies in the polling here in Georgia. So uh, if a pollster calls you, answer honestly, please. So we got two more states that we're going to talk about that are relatively large when it comes to electoral uh, votes. And then we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back to talk about some different states, some relatively smaller states. So uh, let's go to Michigan. Also, 16 electoral votes. So you heard Ohio, 16, Georgia, 16, Michigan, 16. So Biden leads in Michigan, 50-42. That's, uh, that's the average. CNBC had a poll out from the 26th of August that had the race at 50-44, but a more recent version of that same poll has it at 49-43. So the margin uh, of the lead for Joe Biden stayed the same in both of those polls, so it's 6% uh, in both polls, but each candidate lost a point in the most recent uh, version of that poll. And Michigan is one to me uh, I would put kind of in that category with Pennsylvania. It has been a solidly blue state. The last Republican uh, to carry the state was Ronald Reagan. Um, Michigan's importance to the Electoral College has also been diminished over the last four census cycles. So um, this was a, a big deal uh, in the last election. Uh, I'm sorry, I did not say it, but previous to President Trump winning Michigan, uh, the most recent pres uh, GOP candidate to win was Ronald Reagan in 1984. Um, over the last four since four decades, uh, the population of Michigan has started to decrease significantly. So in 1980, uh, in that election, Michigan had 21 electoral votes. They're down to 16. Most likely following the census this year, uh, they will fall even further 
uh, and, and lose a couple more electoral votes, which means they lose a couple seats uh, in the House. I fully expect uh, Michigan to move into the blue column. They're in the toss-up column uh, because that's how 538 has them listed. But I think they will probably uh, revert to their norm in Michigan and that they will, uh, the 16 electoral votes for Michigan will go to Joe Biden. Which brings us to our last state we're going to talk about in this first section, which is North Carolina. So Trump leads in North Carolina 48-47. All of the polls uh, are very, very tight. So the, the two states that we've talked about that have polling that show a very, very tight race right now, Ohio and then North Carolina. So uh, no polls show either candidate getting over 50%. No poll shows either candidate with more than a 4% lead in any poll, which means it's basically the margin of error, uh, which means they could all be tied. <laughs> um, North Carolina has traditionally been a Republican state in presidential elections. Obama carried the state in 20, uh, 2008, but that was the first time since 1976 when Gerald Ford took on Jimmy Carter that uh, the state did not vote Republican in a presidential election. So it was Obama in 2008, but then it went back. Uh, Romney carried it in 2012. Uh, both senators from North Carolina are Republican. The state's governor is a Democrat. The polling there is extremely tight. So it will be very interesting to see what happens in the Tar Heel state over the next few weeks. This is another one of those that Trump is probably going to have to win. And right now it is very, very close. All right, let's jump back into our polling. We're going to move to Arizona. 11 electoral votes up for grabs there. Biden leads right now 49-45. Uh, Predictive Insight uh, produced a poll on the 10th of August, so going back a little bit uh, time now, about two months, a little more than two months, it had Biden leading 49-45. But the same poll from earlier this week had it 52-42 Biden. All right, so let's slow down and say that again. So two months ago, it was 49-45, a four-point lead for the former vice president. Now, 52-42, so a 10-point lead. So it has grown. Meanwhile, CBS News had a, a poll from July 12th, so going back about three months now. It was 46-46. That same poll uh, from 9:13, that same poll being a CBS News poll from 9:13. Has it at 47-44. What seems to be clear is that Biden is leading, but it's hard to to really trust any of these polling numbers. Uh, Arizona has gone Republican in uh, every presidential election since 1996, but in 2018, they elected their first Democratic senator in 30 years. The state split in 2018. They elected a Democratic senator and then a Republican governor in the same election cycle. Trump won the state 49-45 over Hillary Clinton in 2016. Uh, So it's obvious that Joe Biden is leading there. Uh, I don't think it's obvious on any level how much Joe Biden is leading there. Uh, That takes us to Minnesota and 10 electoral votes. Biden with a comfortable lead right now in the average 50-42. Morning Consultant had it at 50-43 on the 1st of September, but that most recent version of that poll has it at 48-44. So the 1st of September, it was 50-43. to On September 15th, it's 48-44. Uh, 
So Clinton carried Minnesota in 2016, but the margin of victory, 46-45, was much closer than people expected. And uh, the last, but the last Republican that actually carried Minnesota was Richard Nixon in 1972. Um, based on the current trend in modern history, uh, Minnesota feels like it will go to Biden. It's not necessarily a lock, even though the average uh, seems to be. Uh, in a pretty comfortable place for the former vice president right now. The issue in Minnesota is that it does seem like it's tightened up a bit from a comfortable seven, eight point lead, uh, at least in that morning consultant poll, down to a four point lead. And as we talked about three, four, five point leads, it, it's hard to really say, okay, that's, that's something you can really take to the bank. Wisconsin, another state uh, with 10 electoral votes, Biden leading there, 49-44. So the New York Times had a poll out in late June, it was June 25th, that had it 49-38 in favor of Biden, so an 11-point lead. The most recent version of that New York Times poll has it, uh, from September the 12th, has it at 48-43. So again, same uh, trend that we see in Minnesota. Biden with a fairly comfortable lead when you look at the averages, but some of the polls that are included in that average have a huge gap. Uh, a few months ago, and it's tightening at this point. So Wisconsin was, if not the biggest, one of the biggest, along with Michigan, uh, surprises from 2016. Trump uh, only won it by seven-tenths of a, a point. So not even a full point, uh, but seven-tenths of a single point. So in 2016 was the first time a Republican carried Wisconsin since 1984, when uh Ronald Reagan pretty much won every state. He won 49 out of the 50 states. Um, with the recent violence and protests in Wisconsin, it will be interesting to see how the current events of the day uh, on both sides, um, of how the numbers are affected by those current circumstances. Uh, not going to get into those situations. Just Google it if you don't know what I'm talking about. But uh, the police uh, action, the subsequent protests, it will be interesting to see if that draws the race closer or if it makes the race uh, wider for Joe Biden, given the circumstances there. We move from Wisconsin, not very far, to Iowa. Uh, Iowa has six electoral votes and Trump is in the lead there, 47-45. The polls uh, have shown that Iowa has consistently leaned Trump. But uh, the state, or sorry, and the state has been moving forward towards the GOP over the last few years. So they have two Republican senators. They have a Republican governor. Um, however, other than Trump in 2016, the only Republican to win Iowa since Ronald Reagan in 1984 was George W. Bush in 2004. Um, so, you know, as we as we start getting down the list here, we start talking about Iowa, uh, six electoral votes. You may be thinking, okay, we were talking about Texas in 38 just a few minutes ago, so Iowa's not important. Iowa is very, very important. All of the states on this list are important, and we're going to tie that all up here in just a minute, and I'll explain why. Nevada, the next one on the list, also, just like Iowa, six electoral votes. Biden's got a 45-41 lead. Um, only two polls conducted in September, and both have the race uh, in Biden's favor, 146-42, 144-39. So, if you're doing some quick math in your head, 45-41 uh, is the average. 46-42 is a September poll. 44-39, another September poll, which means in those two September polls, 12 and 17% uh, are 
either voting for a third party candidate, which is I don't include in my numbers to try to keep it at least somewhat comprehensible, or they are undecided. So while Biden has a fairly comfortable lead at this point, one poll has him up four, one poll has him up five. But being up four and five doesn't matter at all when you have 12 to 17 percent of the vote that is undecided or potentially up for grabs. You know, a lot of people who vote third party or say they're going to vote third party uh, end up voting for one of the two mainstream candidates on Election Day, feeling like a third party vote is throwing your vote away. So, you know, those voters now, obviously, some people stick with the third party and, and, and they vote for them. But. The voters that at the last minute decide to vote for a major party candidate, um, there's a lot up for grabs in Nevada. And so even though the numbers have pretty consistently trended toward Joe Biden, what I'm looking for in Nevada is not so much what the numbers say as far as who's winning, but to see if those percentages themselves for either candidate or for both candidates go up over the next few weeks, showing that more people in Nevada are are kind of solidifying their vote. If we go into election day with somewhere between 12 and 17% not committing to either one of the two mainstream candidates, it's going to be kind of crazy to stay up late and watch and see what results we get in from Nevada. may not even matter, or it may matter way more than you could ever imagine. The last state we're going to talk about is the smallest state we're going to talk about, New Hampshire. Biden with a 48-43 lead there. Uh, there's in St. Anselm. I don't know what that is, by the way. St. Anselm poll uh, from the 20th of August that had at 51-43 in favor of Biden. A more recent New York Times poll from the 12th of September has it 45-42 in favor of Biden. So obviously, uh, New Hampshire, if I did this same kind of podcast, ran through all the toss-up states, uh, it wouldn't have been on the podcast two weeks ago. That is a, a, a new development in New Hampshire that maybe it has gotten a little bit closer. Um, so we'll see. Um, so let's tie up all of this state-by-state state conversation um, and really dig into, okay, what does it really mean? And this is, this is not necessarily based on the numbers that we're seeing quite yet, but to me, it's kind of, you take the numbers that you're seeing right now, combine it with historical data, combine it with the political situation in each of the states as far as, uh, you know, other elective representatives and to me, unless something dramatic happens with the safe and likely electoral count, that, that vote that we gave out for Biden early in the podcast today that was 212 votes, if that 212 is solid for Biden, which it seems like it is at this point, he only needs 58 more electoral votes to win. Now, I've already told you during this podcast, I think Pennsylvania, Michigan, Minnesota, and Wisconsin all end up going to Biden. OK, that's just where they're trending right now. They some of the, the polls that have, you know, Wisconsin and Minnesota in particular, uh, they've narrowed a little bit, but they've narrowed from big Biden leads to comfortable Biden leads in Pennsylvania and Michigan. It's been pretty consistent in both of those states. Biden holding a four five, six point lead pretty consistently over the president. So if those four states all go blue, that means Biden will only need two more electoral votes to get to 270, which means any other state I talked about today, including New Hampshire, including Nevada, including Iowa, all of those small states that at the time may have seemed ins insignificant, 
any one of those states will put Joe Biden in the White House. Additionally, it means that Donald Trump has to run Texas, Ohio, Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, Arizona, Iowa, Nevada. While it is not at all impossible for that to happen, I think what everybody who's looking at this race, no matter if you know who you're quote unquote cheering for, would have to admit is that the path to the White House or to stay at the White House for Donald Trump is extremely narrow. And unless he can flip one of those four states that I mentioned earlier, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Minnesota, or Wisconsin, three of those four that he actually carried in 2016. Unless those states flip, I think it's going to be very unlikely that President Trump is able to remain president after Election Day. In this week's added value report, we're going to talk about something that, uh, let's be honest, nobody in this world right now, especially, and really ever, is very comfortable talking about. Um, We're going to talk about race and kind of some numbers surrounding uh, polling data as it relates to race. So um, there's been a lot of talk uh, from both sides about how different racial groups are trending in the presidential polling. Supporters of President Trump have been pushing information showing that he is outperforming himself with Hispanics and black voters, which there is, there, there's, there's numbers there. You cannot deny that the early numbers, I say early, it's getting late uh, every day, but the numbers right now show Trump doing better than he had done in 2016 with both Hispanic and African-American voters. The issue and, and what you'll hear coming back from a lot of Democrats is, yeah, but he's still getting killed. Now, remember, when we talk about these big numbers, when we talk about any kind of numbers that deal with Hispanics, whites, black, anybody, um, those are national numbers. And as we've talked about multiple times on the podcast, we'll continue talking about national numbers don't matter. Now, trends matter. And it, it, it's, in, it's interesting, it, to say the least, at least in my opinion, that given everything that is going on uh, just in the world right now, It's interesting that Donald Trump could possibly be doing better with minority voters than he did four years ago, but that's what the data is telling us right now. Let's start with the Hispanic vote. In 2016, Hillary Clinton won the Hispanic vote by 37 points. Margin of victory was 37 points. Right now, Joe Biden seems to be leading with around 28, a 28-point advantage. Again, Democrats will say, have said, if you, if you Google this and you read some anybody's articles, you're going to see nobody just reporting the news, nobody just reporting the data. Everybody's going to try to take the data and explain to you why it's either uh, tragic for Joe Biden that he is not performing, you know, and that the headline will tell you where they're going. Biden un- underperforms with Hispanics. That's the headline that the Republicans want to get out there because it is a self-fulfilling prophecy. If Hispanic voters see that other Hispanic voters are voting for Donald Trump, they may ask themselves why. They may get into something. They may figure out, oh, I actually like that about the president. I think I'm going to vote for him too. On the other side, if the headline reads, Joe Biden leads with by 28 points with Hispanics, they're focusing on the fact that Joe Biden still has a huge lead when it comes to the Hispanic vote. But compared to four years ago, 37% uh, victory for Hillary Clinton, 28% lead right now for Joe Biden. Um, So 
because it's not a national election, when we talk about these Hispanic voters, I think there's two states in particular that we've already covered today that we really should dig in and kind of talk about a little bit, and that's Arizona and Florida. Both of those states falling right now in the toss-up category, Arizona has 1.2 million eligible Hispanic voters. That makes up, listen to this, that makes up 24% of the total number of eligible voters. Now, we're having to do this on eligible voters. Obviously, after the election, we would be able to tell you how many you know, Hispanic uh, voters there were in Arizona or any other state and then what percentage of the total electorate that made up. But 24% of all eligible voters in Arizona are Hispanic. And what do we remember from the statistics that we talked about earlier? Donald Trump trailing right now. 4945 in Arizona. Then we move to Florida, which has a higher population uh, of eligible ex- Hispanic voters, 3.1 million, but a lower percentage just because of the overall size of the state of Florida. So that that 3.1 million only accounts for 20%. I say only, still accounts for 20% of eligible voters in the state of Florida. Um Again, just as a reference point, Joe Biden leading in Florida, 49-47 is the average right now. Now, in neither one of these states does Donald Trump have to win Hispanics to be able to carry the state. But if he is able, these are two states that he won four years ago as Arizona and Florida. If he is able to peel off Hispanic votes, which the national numbers tell us on a national level is happening, you would think, especially in Florida, that Trump could gain some votes uh, in the Hispanic group. The reason, especially in Florida, is because a third of the eligible voters that are Hispanic in Florida are of Cuban descent. And Cuban Americans skew way more conservative than uh, Hispanics at large. Uh, a lot of that has to do with the uh, policies of Fidel Castro and his, obviously Castro has passed now, but the, 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 the policies of Cuba and the historical significance of the way uh, that government has treated its people, it, it results in a lot of Cuban Americans being some of the most uh, conservative people you will ever meet. Uh, it's, it's really interesting because you know, the national media really wants to pigeonhole people. You know, a Republican voter is white uh, and a Hispanic or, you know, a non-white person is obviously a Democrat. And, you know, those are the stereotypes for a reason because obviously percentage-wise, more often than not, that is the case. But if you ever meet a Cuban-American, talk to them just for a few minutes and you will realize they are probably the most conservative person you know. which I think on a certain level says a lot about Cuba, the Castro regime, and what people coming out of that regime uh, over the last 30 to 50 years, uh, the way that that experience in Cuba really shaped them. Um, Moving from Hispanics to the African-American vote, uh, amazingly, and this this to me is is insane, uh, given everything that's going on in our country over this summer, but Trump is vote, uh, polling just higher than he did in 2016 with black voters. Um, and, and black In 2016, Trump got about 8% of the African-American vote. 
uh, he's polling about 1% higher, about 9% uh, right now. Again, if I tell you that Trump is polling at 9% amongst black voters, you're going to think, okay, wait, does that mean that Biden has 91%? Well, it's not necessarily that clean because obviously there are other candidates, there are undecided categories, but Biden's in the 80s. Um, so yes, Joe Biden is going to win the black vote in America and he is going to win it probably by 70 points. However, that 1% makes up a lot of votes. And depending on where that 1% comes from, it could be the difference in any single state election, which is all that really matters uh, with what we're talking about here. I think it's very interesting, and I think it's got to be a positive for the Trump campaign that despite all of the stuff that has happened over the last few months, not just with the pandemic, but more, more directly with the Black, Lives the Black Lives Matter movement and the protest from that movement and the protest against that movement, it's amazing to me that Donald Trump numbers with African-American voters has not gone down significantly. The fact that it's gone up even a little bit is, is very, very surprising, and I think it would be very surprising for most people. Now, we've talked about Hispanic voters. We've talked about African-American voters. But the, the racial group that may end up deciding this election in a way that maybe we didn't expect it to is actually white voters. Uh, the most boring of all of the, the, the vanilla bean of the voters. Um, white voters supported Donald Trump over Hillary Clinton by a margin of 13 points in 2016. But right now, Trump is only leading amongst white voters by four points. Obviously, that's a difference of nine points. Um, again, we're talking about national numbers, but that is as significant of, as any number that I have said so far on the podcast today, and we talked about a lot of numbers, because white voters make up the majority of the electorate, and if that many white voters have left the president's camp, then Joe Biden's going to be the next president of the United States. So while the GOP has spent a lot of time talking about overperforming with minority voters so far, the polling in 2020 is telling us, the presidential race could end up being decided by Trump underperforming where he was in 2016 with white voters. And if that happens, I think uh, we could not only be looking at a shift uh, away from Trump, but that's going to be a problem for Republicans moving forward if Trump were to lose in the post-Trump era that we would be heading into under a Joe Biden administration. Uh, it's going to be an issue for the Republican Party if, if white voters leave and they don't come back. Thank you so very much for listening to the podcast today. If you couldn't tell in that last segment, I was super uncomfortable uh, talking about the numbers as it related to the different racial uh, groups. Uh, I'm sorry that that wasn't as smooth as, uh, it, not that any of this podcast is smooth, but I'm sorry that it was a little bit uh, touchy there. Uh, it's hard uh, to know exactly how to say what to say. I will try to be very, very careful not to say something that could be misinterpreted. Uh, we're just trying to talk about politics here. I'm not trying to get into anything. We're, we're talking about the race for the White House, not even like political issues so much. So uh, I hope that you will forgive me for the awkwardness that you have just listened to over the previous 10 minutes.
We've got 13 days until the first presidential election on September 29th. We've got 48 days, just under seven weeks until election day. Seven weeks from today, we will be talking about the results of the 2020 presidential election and not about polls. We will have results. So thank you so much for listening and stay tuned.